This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. And go for Mike Slater in 3, 2, 1. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Slater, Slater's America is the greatest country in the world. Thank you so much for being here. Um, new survey found that uh, 26% of Americans are atheists. Pretty simple question. Uh, do you believe in God? 26% said no. So that's the highest in uh, you know recent surveys in the last few generations. Usually it's about 10%. Usually hovers around 10%. Now it's 26%. Jeez, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big jump. One in four. Don't believe in God. So here's my theory. There's a lot of reasons, not just one. Uh, I, I think it's partly because the progressive culture that says there's no such thing as truth. It's all relative. So, which is absurd because people who say that think that's true. Right. But anyway, um, if, if that's true, that there's no such thing as truth, then why would anyone believe in, in this made up thing, God that tells me what is true? Right. So, so in order to disconnect a person's connection to God, the ultimate truth. If someone can convince you that there is no such thing as truth, well, then that's that severs the connection between you and the person who decides what is true, right? Does that make sense? If there's no such thing as truth, then why would I believe in this thing that tells me what is true? The progressive culture says that that Christians are bigoted and, and you can't judge. So why would I believe in this thing that is the ultimate judge? We have an education system that teaches evolution as gospel. So if evolution is true, why would I believe in this creator that made all things? My science teacher says we all come from amoebas and bacteria by chance. So why, why would I believe in the ultimate creator of all people? See, see how that, like you, can, you can understand how someone who grows up in this swamp of progressive ideology that says there is no such thing as truth. Don't be a bigot. Don't judge. And you know, evolution, you grow up with all that. Like, why would you believe in God? So that I think all of these things play a role, but I think the main thing is, uh, dads. I think the number one reason why 26% of Americans are atheists is because of dads or lack of dads specifically. 
Can I ask you a personal question? And you can answer it out loud in your car if you want, or you can just answer it in your head. But just don't brush this off. Really answer this. Give a couple words that you would use to describe your dad. Or dads you know. Just dads. Specifically your dad or just dads. So a few adjectives for your dad. I'm just I'm going to give you a couple seconds just to think. And just start naming some out loud. What is the how would you describe your dad? All right, now those are good. Get, let's get, go a little deeper if you can. Those are really good surface ones. That's fine. But we got to dig through those. So go, go, give me like one or two deeper ones, deeper adjectives for your dad. So I had a great dad. My adjectives are on the positive side. My dad was encouraging. He was proud of me. He was uh, appreciative of, of little things, very loving. I had a great dad. But last weekend, I was with a group of guys at a church retreat thing. Very, uh, very high achieving, first class guys. And this conversation came up. How would you describe your dad? That very question. And I wrote down the answers. I, I just want to be very clear. That the guys I was with, I mean, Navy SEAL, Marine, two Marines, uh, NCIS guy, big time DA, uh, someone who works at the you know, major engineering company. These are pretty high-end guys. Here are the words they used to describe their dads. I wrote them down. I want to see if any of the words you said are the same. Passionless. Exacting. Demanding. Absent. Strict. Cold. Sour disconnected, guarded, clueless, overbearing, reckless, distant. We'll stop there. Did you have words like that? Maybe not those specific ones, but words like that. So probably. So if this is how, now listen, if I was listening to this radio show, I would say, uh, no, but I would be in the very small minority. So if you're like, no, my dad wasn't those things. You just recognize you were in the very, very small minority. I was with 12 guys and I was the only one who didn't have words like that. So the point is, if this is how we view our earthly fathers, the people we know and we can see and touch and have had many direct interactions with throughout our entire formative childhoods. If that's how we view a person we can see our dad, how are we going to view a heavenly father? The exact same way demanding strict, clueless, overbearing, distant, absent, non-existent, Non-existent is actually the easiest adjective to use for God if all the other adjectives that you would use for your actual dad is on the table, right? 
Why would you, if, if, if your dad is clueless, strict, demanding, why would you want a, a heavenly dad who's those things? It's easier to be like, I don't want to, I don't want a God that's demanding, strict, clueless, distant, overbearing. So it just doesn't even exist. So it's like easier just to cut them off. Like, ah, whatever. I'm an atheist. There's no God. That's crazy. We project onto God how we view our earthly dads. If your dad was strict, God is strict. If your dad was overbearing, God is overbearing. If your dad was passionless, then God is passionless. If your dad wasn't loving, then God won't be loving. Now, none, none of that's true, but that's what we think, right? Your dad is, was a broken person just like you. God is not. He's perfect. So God is not any of these things. But that's the fallback that we take when, when thinking of him. I heard a uh, story of a prison. And one of the prisoners asked, so there's like a prison ministry going on. And, and the prisoner asked the person who visited if he could buy him a Mother's Day card because he wanted to send his mom a Mother's Day note. It's a good thing, right? So the guy went and bought a card and uh, and then other prisoners found out about it. And they wanted Mother's Day cards so they could write their moms. So the guy's like, oh, this is great. So he actually went to Hallmark and Hallmark donated some money and went out, bought some other cars, collected some money from some people, bought a bunch of cars. So they brought back just this box, a giant box full of Mother's Day cards for all the prisoners and every prisoner took one and wrote a note to their mom and sent it out. It's very nice. So a month goes by and the guy goes out and does the same thing for Father's Day. He goes to Hallmark, gets a big discount, goes to the store, buys a box of Father's Day cards and he brought the box to the prison and no one took one. I won. Why did no one take a Father's Day card? Because what, Dad? Either he's not there at all or he's no one you would want to send a card to. Incredible wounds there. And God takes the blunt of it, the brunt of it. I went just before Jack was born, like a month before Jack was born, my son. We went to Donovan Prison. It's a prison right on the border. And met with maybe, I don't know, 50 guys there. And I asked them, the prisoners there, what advice they had for me about becoming a dad. It was awesome. Every single hand went up. Every, I'm, little, I'm not exaggerating. Every single person had advice. And it was good advice. But when I asked, I asked the question, everyone was excited to share. But when I, we went around the room and everyone who shared, every one of these prisoners, the whole tone of the room changed. And every advice, piece of advice was, from pain about their dads so one guy said don't hit your son another one said make sure you teach him how to read a bike right so it's pain because my dad hit me or my dad never taught me how to ride a bike or deep regret about what they've done to their son so you know sing to your son teach him how to read because they weren't there for their kids so I don't know. You, you may be discouraged that 26% of people don't believe in God in this country. I look at the state of our culture and our education system and all the rest. I look at that and I conclude, you know what? Considering everything, it's amazing that it's not way more individuals and businesses. So the way to solve that problem is a lot. 
but we need more dads. One eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Mike Slater Show. The Blaze. Wait, real quick. Let me end with this. So the question at the the group last week was, you know, how do you describe your dad? And then I asked myself. I said, well, when Jack is eighteen and is asked that question, what words do I want him to describe me as? And now I have to act like that every single day to make that come true. Mike Slater Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. Mike Slater. Yeah, one more point on this. And then I'll get off my high horse, I promise. The, this, uh, this, is, this one's hard. Uh, this, I'm, I was going to say this is the best example I've seen of... But, you know, we just talked about this in the last hour about the terrorist attack and how these terrorists can target and kill little girls and still we don't care, right? The, the manly side of us inside of us, the protector side of men... Not, not enough to really do anything. And then even the nurturing side of women with abortions. We talked all about that earlier. So maybe this is another example. We don't need to rank them. But just people spending a lifetime ignoring the obvious. And I just thought of this because you know, we we're just talking about dads. So James Dean is the most famous male porn star. And he's tried to cross over. And I, I maybe he's been in like a... I don't think it's a mainstream movie, but like an artsy indie movie or, or a couple or whatever. And he was on the Dr. Drew show with Adam Kroll and, and Adam Kroll the other day. And he said, quote, it's the first time in my entire career I've ever had an ethical dilemma with what I do. Here's what, hear what he's saying here. So real quick, you should know the average exposure, the average age when someone is exposed to porn is eight. Eight years old. And James Dean, the number one male porn star in the country, in the world, says, quote, this is not okay. I would say very confidently that eight or nine-year-olds are not able to properly process what this is, especially when it's not just here are two people kissing and some standard sex. It's some crazy stuff. And I think now that people are getting their sexual education and stuff, you know, I'm sure it's better. So I've been told it's better when I was a kid than when I was a kid. But they're still seeing these examples regularly for years and years and years of what they believe to be sex. So kids are exposed to it younger than ever. It's just messing up their heads. And he's seen the effect that this has had on people. He's seen it himself. And he talks about how he's working, he's, he's acting, having sex with younger girls, right? And he says there's an intimacy that's uncomfortable for them. I'll do scenes and I'll grab the girl and I'll say, look me in the eyes. And she'll say, no, 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 no. I just blank. And James Dean says, but no, that's not sex. And he, he says, it just seems that there is this programming and desensitization to what sex and sexuality is. Saying Slater, where the heck are you going with this? Let me quote one more thing and I'll bring it around. 
He said, I've had conversations with business partners, the people that run a bunch of adult websites. This guy, he's a father of two. And we were having a conversation about how I want all adult websites. I want everything to be behind an age verification wall. Real quick timeout. Think about this. You got the number one male porn star and the guy who runs these websites talking together about uh, mm, this, this, this stuff's not this really got to make sure kids don't see this stuff. This is really messed up. And James Dean says, you can't just say, yes, I'm 18. You actually have to input a credit card or something the best you can to create an 18 and older environment. And he said, I agree. He said, as a father, I agree with you hundred percent. I would love to do that. But as a businessman, I will go out of business in a day. I just wanted to share this because this isn't right wing social commentator, Bible thumper on the radio saying pornography is bad for you. This is the guy. He's the most famous porn male porn star saying, wow, this old porn thing, it's affecting everyone, not just kids, but he goes on and talks about everyone. It's affecting everyone in really terrible ways. And I know people who want to get out of it, who see the effect that this has in our culture, but we can't get out because the money's so good. He's talking about the ethical dilemma that he's experiencing for the first time in his entire life with what he's been doing for his entire adult life. He's like, geez, this is really messing people up. I I feel like when you get progressives who say, you know, this aspect of our culture, uh, the celebration of casual sex and pornography is no big deal. You know, they, they take this self-righteous stand of you're a prude. You're a prude. I'm open. You conservatives. You're just prudes. I'm open-minded. Don't impose your Bible thumping on me and all that. And I'm I'm saying, geez, I haven't referenced the Bible one time in this conversation. It's not me saying it's bad. It's the number one porn star in the world saying it's bad. So maybe you should reevaluate your assumptions. The, the, the article of The Atlantic, the article, uh, The Atlantic of all places, is titled James Dean's Crisis uh, of Conscience. James Dean's Crisis of Conscience. I don't know. I just bring it up now because this is obviously another place where proper fathering could could enter um and when you got the guy saying this is real bad i don't know i think that's noteworthy all right move on um i want to talk next about something in california that will happen i may have referenced it in passing last week i don't remember Uh, But I want to go a little deeper in the next segment. So California will impose a single-payer healthcare system in California. This will happen. So it's insane. And I'm going to tell you how much it costs in a second. I think last time we talked about it, there was no cost estimate. But now we have an official cost estimate. So that's why I want to talk about it again. So we'll tell you the cost, which is crazy. But it will happen. Nothing will stop this from happening. Now... When I first saw this uh, this plan, I said, this is, this is insane. There's no way this will pass. But then I learned that this has already passed twice. It's passed twice. But 
Governor Schwarzenegger vetoed it. So now Governor Schwarzenegger is not in office. You got Jerry Brown. So this will pass again. I don't know what Jerry Brown will do. I don't know if Jerry Brown would vote for it or pass it as governor. But our next governor is Gavin Newsom. And he's even crazier than Jerry Brown. He will definitely uh, pass it. He'll definitely sign it. So it's going to happen. Uh, I'd say 100% chance it will happen in the next five to six years. 100% chance. Now, the craziest part of it, other than free healthcare for everyone, free vision, dental, you name it, is it's regardless of immigration status. So that means it's not only for everyone who lives in California, it's for everyone who lives in Mexico. Mexico is 20 miles from where I'm sitting right now. So anyone who come across the border just comes in here and gets free healthcare. Now you can just come across the border all the time. I mean, there's no, you just come across the border. There's no, you know, just walk across. Um, so you just walk across, get your healthcare and then what back. Like that's insane. But if they don't check what country you're from, they're obviously not going to check what state you're from either. So that means people from all over the country could just go to California for the day or whatever the week and get your surgery and come back. And then the ca- the taxpayers of California will pay for it. Someone told me the other day, this is the straw that will break the, the camel's back in California. No, no, no. This is the boulder that will crush the camel. California doesn't stand a prayer of surviving after this bill. I'll tell you more about it next. one 888 900 3393. I read this great article in Newsweek. Would Californians be better off under single payer healthcare? No, is the answer. No, they would not. We'll do that next. Mike Slater Show, The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. Uh, all right, perfect. Um, here's the article from Newsweek. Would Californians be better off under single-payer healthcare? No is the answer. That's, that's simple. We, we can move on. But uh, I could not wait to read the analysis because I haven't read an opinion piece on this yet. I've just read articles. We, so we talked about this. We followed this bill early on when it was first introduced a while ago, a couple months ago. But... Now people are just starting to comment on it because it's moving forward through Sacramento. So, so single pair healthcare. I can't. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. This is this is like Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders would love this plan. All right. So totally free. No such thing as insurance. Game on. Everything. Hundred percent free. Go to the hospital. You go to the doctors. Everything. Everything is free. No copays. No nothing for nobody. So now I'm. There's commentaries that are coming out, which is great because listen, there's no way anyone can actually be for this, right? So this article was published in Kaiser Health News and then in, in Newsweek. So we have the cost now. This is the best part. When this was first proposed, there was no cost estimate. We were joking around like, what could this possibly cost? So now we know. So just a little reference before I give you the cost. The size of the budget in California 10 years ago was $100 billion. Now it's $180 billion. 
billion dollars. Okay, so it's almost double what it was just 10 years ago, and it's only going up from there. This so 180 billion. So imagine 180 billion dollars. Imagine that number 180, 180 billion. Universal healthcare in California would cost another 400 billion dollars. <laughs> so it's two and a half times the entire budget. And that's year one. That's per year. $400 billion a year. What are we out of our minds? That's insane. So you would think that would be it. No, that's, that's the end of that, right? But no, the, the state senator who's in San Diego, Tony Atkins, she says, well, yes, it is a expensive. Uh, it's what she said. She's a, uh, it's a high ticket item. Huh? So 40% of the California budget is uh, education. So 70, we'll go with $70 billion for K through 12 education, 70 billion and universal healthcare is 400 billion. Now here's the problem with that number. And actually let's, can we back it up a second? We'll put a time on, on this. And now we'll talk about the congressional budget office. So this was the news cycle. This was a storyline for um, a day, a couple of days ago. The, the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office about Obamacare. The problem with the Congressional Budget Office isn't that they are partisan. It's that they punch numbers into models that can't account for change of behavior. Right? So, so when you throw numbers into a model and then numbers come out at the end, the numbers that, are at, that come out at the end are only as good as the model not really any different from climate change, right? You have a model, throw some numbers into it. Some other numbers come out and the, the numbers that come out are, you know, what the temperature is going to be in a hundred years. And you're like, well, I mean, that number is only as good as the model that you force the numbers through. And like, how good is that? Like that's impossible to take into account all the things in climate, like in the climate of the planet, sun, tides, or the ocean temperature. I mean, there's a million different factors. So the numbers at the end like are meaningless. And it's really the same thing with the Congressional Budget Office. They, they can't account for the change in behavior. I'll give you a, a, a simple example to understand. I, I'm sure we've shared this before. Um, a state will want to raise tobacco taxes, cigarette taxes. And they'll say, okay, we're going to raise the taxes by a dollar a pack. How much money is the state going to bring in? And they'll say, okay, well... Uh, the people smoked this many packs of cigarettes and we're going to bring in another dollar per pack. So here's uh, you know, $800 million, whatever. Well, that doesn't account for change in behavior because when you increase the price of something, people do less of it or they'll go to cross state lines. Or they'll go to the Indian casino or something to, to avoid the taxes. So it changes people's behavior. So the state doesn't bring in 800 million. They bring in 500 million because it changed behavior, but no model takes that into account. So that's what Obamacare Congressional Budget Office, but let's bring it back to California. It's the same thing. So when they say $400 billion, that doesn't account for change of people's behavior. Well, what change of behavior is going to happen when something is free? Well, the opposite of when you tax it. When you tax it, people use less of it. If you subsidize it, give it for free, people are going to use way more. The other day, I told you I gave a speech to some uh, sixth graders and, and one of the moms made me a bunch of cookies, chocolate chip cookies. They were unbelievable cookies. The best chocolate chip cookies I've ever had. I had 12 of them because they were free and sitting in front of me. 
if I had to pay a dollar a cookie, maybe I'd have three. <laughs> if they were $10 a cookie, I'd have, I'd probably wouldn't have any, but they're free. So I had as many as I could have before I threw up. And that's, what's going to happen with healthcare. People are just going to have wastefully just, it's just game on. And people's are going to, people are going to spend five, 10 times as much money as they currently do on healthcare because it's free and spend this much. They're just going to get 10 times as much healthcare as they currently do, which is wasteful at that point without even thinking twice about it. So the $400 bill, a billion, $400 billion a year, that's going to be a trillion like that. In year two, it's going to be a trillion dollars. I'm not even exaggerating. Uh, let me see. This, uh, this, so this article ultimately doesn't really come to a conclusion. But the fact... Here, okay, I'll read this. This is, um, again, this is Newsweek. A single-payer system likely would be more efficient in delivering healthcare. On what planet would it be more efficient? How could that possibly be more efficient? Is the DMV efficient? I have a AAA membership, not in case I get towed. I have a AAA membership so that I don't have to go to the DMV. It's amazing. You need to get your registration or whatever. You just go to the AAA. People greet you. You go to this line. There's no one there. Walk in. Boom, done. Paycheck. Boom, out. Easy. Piece of cake. Couldn't be more efficient. Go to the DMV. It's hell on earth. You think, going, you think government being in charge of, of healthcare is going to be much better than that? Give me a break. So the article doesn't come to a conclusion. It quotes a bunch of Democrats who are like kind of for it. They're not super decisive, but they're like, oh, you know, it could be good. What are you talking about? It does quote one Republican who said the impact on employers will be astounding. How can you say this will be fiscally prudent for the state? The state has never gotten anything right in healthcare. So this would be paid for through payroll taxes, which is insidious because um, people don't see their payroll taxes. It's a hidden tax. People don't see. They just see the amount in their check that they're actually can cash, but they don't see all the money that's been taken out. So if they add this to payroll taxes, it's going to put a huge burden on businesses who have to pay half of the increase, and then people won't see the half that they pay. So people will think it's free. When not only is it not free, it's two and a half times the entire budget. <laughs> think about it like this. Just a little back of the napkin math. This isn't 100% accurate, but because it's not exactly how it's going to work, but just go with it. There's 39 million people in California. 39 million. They say this will cost 400 billion year one. Of course, it's going to be way more than that, but let's just go with 400 billion. So you split that up. That's $10,000 per person per year. Per person. So a family of four, $40,000 a year for healthcare. 40000 Now, what about the people who don't make any money? They're not going to pay $40,000 a year. So let's say you take two families of four. You got my family, some other family. My family makes money. The other family doesn't. They're on welfare. I have to pay $40,000 a year for my healthcare, and I got to pay $40,000 a year for that other guy's healthcare. So now I'm at $80,000 a year for healthcare. $80,000. And that assumes that it's $400 billion when I just, you know, it's going to be at least twice that. So I'm already up to hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like it's totally, totally, absolutely 100% insane. But I guarantee you it will pass. Because <laughs> it's California. 1-888-933-93. 1-888-933-93. Mike Slater Show, The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. Part of the next generation of talk radio. 
This is Mike Slater. We got another story here. Why California's subsidized after school programs are struggling to survive. This is awesome. So I read this article, someone sent it over. And as I, I clicked it and as it was loading, I was thinking of all the reasons why after school programs might be struggling, right? I was thinking of reasons what could be wrong. Why why are they struggling to survive? And this reason never crossed my mind that should have. So here's the deal with these after school programs. Uh, almost nine hundred thousand kids. 4,500 schools. Uh, LA Daily News. For several big after-school organizations in LA, most funding comes from the ASES. I'll talk about that in a second. State lawmakers haven't increased ASES funding since they created the program in 2006. It's the After-School Education and Safety Program. Since then, costs have risen for organizations as the minimum wage has jumped from 675 to 1050 an hour and it's scheduled to go up again to $15 an hour in 2022. So the after school programs in California are struggling to survive because of the minimum wage. <laughs> Jeez. I was just talking to a business owner friend a couple weeks ago who owns a uh, t-shirt shop. Used to have 12 employees, now has 7 can't afford the minimum wage. And it's and listen, we don't need to go into a whole minimum wage thing, but everyone knows all this stuff already. You know all this. Even if you could afford to pay everyone $15 an hour, the people who are currently making $15 an hour would have to go up to $20 an hour. And like that's the end of that. And the reason I thought of the story is because he also brought up payroll taxes. He's like, once the minimum wage goes up, then my payroll taxes have to go up because it's a percentage of the wage. No one knows this stuff unless you own a business. And that's the saddest part of the whole thing really is. Now, the business owner, so real quick on that point, like no one has the empathy for that. No one understands that. I was talking to a friend of mine actually the other day who worked for a business, worked for someone, and then he started his own business. And now he still sort of does that on the side, but he started working for someone else again. And I said, oh, what's the biggest difference, you know, going back to work for someone else? He said, oh, I have way more respect for my boss because I know what it's like now. I get it. Most people don't get it. But this one business owner did have a silver lining. He said his employers know who to blame. They don't see the minimum wage increase as a good thing. They understand the consequences of it and they are placing the blame accordingly on progressives. They're not thanking progressives for this. They're blaming them for it. That's good news. Anyway, so back to the after-school program. So the president of LA's Best, that's the, the after-school program that's run out of the mayor's office, he said, over the last 11 years, the cost of doing business has gone up. Everything from insurance to supplies and materials, permits and fees, he said, and the funding has remained flat. Oh my gosh, this is an amazing quote. Do they not even know what they're saying? Do they? How could they not get it? So he's saying, listen, I'm running this after-school program here through the mayor's office, but the cost of business is going up. And he starts listing off things. Okay, champ, why has the cost of insurance gone up? Why has supplies and material prices gone up? Do, do, you, want, do you, have, you have ideas? I'll just throw out one just because it's recent here in California. We literally, three weeks ago, Sacramento just voted to raise the gas tax. They just voted to raise the gas tax. So you're, you're complaining that supplies and materials are going up. Well, 
I know we got some truck drivers listening now. How do you think things get from point A to point B? They get on the back of trucks. How are the trucks run? They're drawn by fuel. Now you got a higher gas tax. So now it costs more money to ship things. So the price of literally everything has gone up thanks to the gas tax. And then you got someone in the mayor's office being like, ah, oh, geez, you know, the cost of everything's going up. No kidding. And then the guy in the mayor's office is complaining that permits and fees have gone up. You're in the mayor's office. Like walk down the hall, talk to the mayor, your boss, and say, hey, stop jacking up the cost of doing business because it's not just for you. I'd like to let you know. It's not just for you, person who runs after school programs in the city. It's every single business owner has to pay these. So welcome to there's a little dose of the real world. And then you say the problem is that funding has remained flat. No, because you know what that means? If you think the problem is funding has remained flat, that means you're going to go down to the mayor's office and just say, why don't we just take more money from everyone else? This is is infuriating. Because in the real world, when costs go up like they have for everyone, there's only so much a business owner can do. But when costs go up in government land, they just raise taxes and take more money from everyone. Business owners can't take money from people. And this is the greatest irony of them all. The greatest irony of them all. When it comes to politicians, they call business owners greedy. But business owners can't take money from people. Only the government can do that. And literally all they do is steal money from people. But they're never greedy. He says, already our programs have made some cuts by pulling back on staff training, field trips, and special events and operating with a thin administrative staff. Yeah, every business in the state has done this, which is why California is the highest poverty rate in the country and the highest number of people on welfare. So, thanks. One last point on the name. The uh, after school, so it's called the ASES. The After School Education and Safety Program. So just a little side note. Uh, I know we've talked about this before, but I like to bring it up whenever it is relevant. This is another step towards public boarding schools. And I promise you that it will come under the guise of safety. That's the point. It'll be, so this is just another step towards it. Because progressives, they're nothing if they're not patient. So everything they do takes a lot of time, and that's fine. They're okay with that. And the argument's going to be homes are unsafe. Homes are unsafe. It's not safe to send kids back home, either because of the crime outside of the home or drug use and abuse inside the home, neglect. or So they're going to say, listen, it's just safer that we keep kids at school. Oh, parents can visit if they'd like. Oh, my goodness. Yes, of course parents can visit. That will absolutely happen. Already, schools provide breakfast, lunch. Some schools provide dinner. In the summertime, schools open up so that so kids can eat because parents aren't feeding their kids. And then people realize, well, the kids can't get to the school because it's summer. So now food will go on buses and buses will drive around neighborhoods and drop off food because parents aren't buying food for their kids on Friday nights, kids in San Diego get sent home with backpacks full of food. If that's not the saddest thing in the world, because the the assumption is that kids won't eat over the weekend because the government's not feeding them. 
or because the government's not there to feed them because parents of course couldn't be asked to feed kids it's un, it's it's sickening so parents already aren't feeding kids and then you throw safety on top of that no doubt about it we'll have public boarding schools the only thing holding them back is money but i predict sacramento will exempt certain people from different programs like this what was it the other day oh yeah there was a proposal to exempt teachers from paying income taxes <laughs> right so so what they're going to do is they're going to exempt employees at after school programs from the minimum wage and they'll exempt anyone who has to work at public boarding schools from the minimum wage or whatever whoever whoever they whoever they can cozy up to they'll exempt from the minimum wage certain unions are already exempt from the minimum wage so just keep an eye out for public boarding school and and it's not going to come quickly this will be in like a decade or so uh but Steps closer and closer every single year. 1-888-933-93. 1-888-933-93. We're going to come back. Um, have you ever heard of kayfabe? Have you ever heard this word before, kayfabe? I want to talk about this. I want to talk about how, how I watch the news. And I don't know, maybe you could pick up a thing or two. And, and for me, it, it changes how I watch news. And I think that's an important thing because it's uh, it's all totally out of control. So I want to play that. And I have a story coming up next that uh, because of Memorial Day <coughs> that it's 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 everything that's great about America. And not only the service members, but their families and our country. It's so good. We'll share that in the next hour as well. Mike Slater Show, The Blaze Radio Network, spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On the Blaze Radio Network.